If you have your Bibles, the first book of Peter, chapter 1, so good to be here tonight. I give honor to uh, the SEC committee. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I don't want to start naming names because uh, I'll definitely miss someone, but I love and appreciate all these men on the platform, and uh, I mean this sincerely that uh, I never feel quite worthy to be uh, behind a pulpit preaching. Uh, and that's not just hyperbole. I, I count it a double honor to be able to speak to God's people. And uh, I love God's people. And uh, I prayed today. And I prayed, God, use me to speak to your people. And so I have a, a very special burden. Uh, I want God to, to talk to you. I want you to hear something that's going to help you. And uh, I do feel like I have a very specific word uh, for people here today. And I believe that if you'll just open up your ears and your heart, amen, God will speak to you and give you some direction and peace. Can you say amen? All right. First Peter chapter 1 and verse number 7. The Bible says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And we're going to stop right there. And I want to preach to you for just a few moments on this subject. This is a test. This is only a test. This is a test. I'm taking my title from the emergency broadcasting system. This is a test. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a test. Look at your other neighbor and say, this is only a test. Hallelujah. Oh, how many people believe that? Uh, let's magnify Jesus. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the miracles that are about to happen here tonight. I thank you for healing, deliverance, salvation, peace. And I thank you, God, that you're giving us strength right now to praise you. And to walk out of here with joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. And somebody shout in Jesus' name. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Give them a great big God bless you. And you may be seated. Truth is beautiful. Truth is beautiful. But truth is also elegant. There are times when we can appreciate truth for how it looks, for how it manifests itself. The Bible talks about praise being comely. It is a truth that God ought to be praised. And you could see that truth manifested and made visible. And it is really a beautiful thing to see people whose lives have been changed by the blood of Jesus. Praise God. That is is truth on display. That is beautiful. But truth is also elegant. And what I mean by elegant is that there are times when we appreciate truth for its ingenious simplicity and the manner in which it functions. Truths don't always have to have an optic appeal to them. They don't always have to look pretty. 
In fact, there are times when truth is not pretty. There are times when truth is not pretty. I want you to stop and consider for a moment Job, who suffered horrible damage and loss. But in the end, he was able to say in the 23rd chapter, when he has tried me or tested me, I will come forth as pure gold. Job realized that beneath his lackluster trial, there was something elegant going on. Job realized that beneath the boils, there was something elegant taking place. Job realized at the funeral of his children, as painful as it was, that there was something elegant at play. Job realized, amen, as his wife was telling him to curse God and die, that there was something elegant taking place. And that's why he could fall to the ground and say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I think that people... I think the people we read about so often in our Bibles were much more accepting of the notion that God tests his own people. When you tell people these days in church or even out of church that God tests us, it just doesn't seem to to rub people the right way. In fact, when we read through our Bible, we discover, amen, from the very earliest book in the Bible, that God's people are the children of tested men and women. The Bible says in Genesis 22 and 1, regarding the binding of Isaac, amen, that it was in fact God testing Abraham. But that's only the beginning. As we segue into the book of Exodus, and then all the way into Judges, amen, God discloses that Israel's wanderings through the desert The dynamics that came as a result of it were only a test. In Exodus 15, there was the testing at the waters of Marah. In Exodus 16, there was the testing of the gathering of manna. In Exodus 20, there was the testing at the mountain known as Sinai. It was all a test. It does not stop there, however. In Deuteronomy chapter 13 and 3, God informs Israel, his people, that he will test them by sending them prophets and dreamers whose signs and wonders will come to pass, but whose doctrines will point them towards a multiplicity of gods. These false prophets, amen, are not called false prophets because their signs and wonders don't come to pass. They are called false prophets because of what they teach, what they say. And God says, I will raise up people. I will raise up people who say things, amen, that actually happen, but who will point you towards a multiplicity of gods. They will point you away from the one single God that delivered you out of Egypt. He says, and that is what makes them false. And I will do all this to test your love for me. In Judges In Joshua 23, and then in Judges chapters 2 and 3, we learn that Joshua's conquest of Canaan was made incomplete and that it was God who designed it that way in order to prove or to test his people. God said, Joshua, go go take over 
annihilate the Canaanites, get rid of them all. And Joshua did exactly as he was told. But there was a remnant of people left over. And God said, I'm going to leave this remnant left over for the next generation, that they might learn war and that I might test them to see if they will keep my ways. God said, the little bit of leftovers, those irritants, I left that there to test you. In fact, the author of the book of Hebrews, amen, in the third chapter, will summarize all these things, amen, and call them, call them the days of testing. Or as the King James says it, temptation. All these events, all these things, the authors and the writers of the Bible, by explicit, amen, mention of God, amen, said all these things were a test. In Psalms 11, the Bible says the Lord tests the righteous. The Lord tests the righteous. Now, before I get into this too much, I do want to talk about this for one second. Because no doubt, there are people here that are going through some real stuff. And you might feel, you know, it's easy for you to get up there and preach, but my back hurts right now. And I lost my job. And that's easy for you to say, but you know what? My kid's not in good shape right now. And that's easy for you to say, but your husband's not in ICU and your wife, amen, is not, is not amen, hallelujah, deathly sick and, and, and your finances aren't. And so it seems sometimes that we are detached and we can get detached from what I'm saying and from what the preacher's preaching. But let me tell you this, saint of God, the reason or one of the reasons that God tests us, amen, you'll find in James chapter one when he says the trying or the testing of our faith is to produce patience. Amen. Patience is to produce patience. You might be wondering, why is God testing me? Let me give you one reason. It's to produce patience in your life. It's to get you to slow down. It's to get you to realize I got one life to live. I better live this for Jesus. It's to get you to slow down and get that hustle out of you and realize that life's more than just a job and life's more than just money and life's more than just paying bills and life is more than just getting by. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. I'm going to preach here in a second. But somebody, you know, as, as a pastor, Brother Bertram, as a pastor, there's two acts of patience that I constantly have to balance. Number one, the patience God provokes me to have on people. But the hardest part is not that. I'm more than willing to be patient with people. I'm more than willing to give people a thousand tries because I got a thousand tries. And I'm still getting tries. And there's still days I fall and I get up and I fall and I get up. But that's not half as hard as trying to teach people to have a little bit of patience with themselves. I know way too many saints of God they fall once, they fall twice and you can't hardly get them to get up after that saint of God, you look at this preacher right now, amen, get up get up, keep on getting up be patient with yourself you got a heaven you got to get into come on come on God's testing you to teach you some patience. You got to be patient with yourself. And when you stumble and fall, repent, get up. Repent and get up and keep on living for Jesus. Nope. Oh, come on. Come on. 
Come on. Magnify him right now. But one of the primary purposes of testing is to reveal the quality and the substance of our obedience and faith. If our faith and our obedience is left untested, it's nothing more than words. It's nominal religion, nominal Christianity. It's all talk and no walk. And God says, I don't want a bunch of talkers. I want some walkers. I want... And the only way to get you from talking to walking is to test you, is to... Oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you, I know you may not want to hear this, but there's only one way to find out what you really got, and that's to go through the test. There's only one way to find out the quality and the substance of what you believe. Come on. It's not going to be enough for you to just patty cake for Jesus and have a Jesus bumper sticker. At some point, you're going to have to go past all that. It's not going to be enough just to walk around with a family Bible. You're going to have to go past all that. It's not going to be enough just to be able to quote a few verses. You're going to have to go past all that. Thank God for holiness, but we're going to have to... Oh, come on. We're going to have to eventually walk this thing out, live this thing out. Not just look apostolic, but be apostolic. Not just talk apostolic, but walk apostolic. Not just feel. Oh, come on, come on. Hallelujah. You see, when it comes to faith and obedience, we often have more or less than what we think. I can't tell you how many trials I've been through. I thought, I'm not going to make it. And I make it. Made it here tonight. Make me want to shout. And then there's that stuff you think you'll never fall to. Because a lot of times, we're living in the theoretical. Oh, I love Jesus. But I just can't show up Wednesday nights. I'm still preaching really good right now, huh? Praise God. Yeah. And God says, we got to get out of theory. We got to get out of these theories and these ideas. We got to get out of talking and get into walking. And the only way to do that is for me to send some tests. The only way for me to do that is to let some Canaanites hang out. The only way for me to do that is to let some Moabites around. Because I want to see what you really believe. I want to see what happens after you've been out of the world a year. And then all of a sudden your ex-girlfriend calls you up. And nobody's around to hear the phone ring. I want to see what you do after a year. And you're cleaning out your house and you're finding a bag of weed I want to see what you do after a year when you're walking through the mall uh, come on come on this is a test this is only a test I'm preaching to some young people that you made God some promises and all of a sudden you have found yourself in the middle of testing it's time for you to pass the test this time it's for you to get through the 
It's not God playing a trick on you. It's God trying to lift you up. It's God, you ain't going to listen to that music no more. And all of a sudden, amen, it pops up on your playlist. Told God, you ain't going to go there no more. And all of a sudden, you find yourself right there. I'm telling you, God's trying to get you out of talking and into walking. Amen. And you cannot despise the... Oh, come on. Come on for about 10 seconds. Oh, come on. I'm not going to preach long. I promise you. But God's talking to somebody right now. This, this is not even part of my message. But let me say this. Let me try to help somebody out in Pentecostal land. Hallelujah. Amen. Shout out to Jeff Hoffer for Holy Ghost Radio, getting us out to Pentecost land. Amen. Hallelujah. But, but let me say this. You know, when I got delivered, and I'm not saying, I don't really like talking about this stuff, but let me just say this. When I got delivered, I got, I got all this stuff out of my life. But what I didn't realize is that it's not enough to just get stuff out. Because nature abhors a vacuum. And when you... See, a lot of people ask God, take it out, take it out, deliver me. And God does it. But the thing that God wants you to do thereafter is to put something in its place. Don't just ask God to get carnality out of you. Put a prayer life in its place. Don't just ask God to get the song lyrics out of your head. Put some Bible verses in its place. Don't just ask God to get rid of the cigarettes. Put some church attendance in its place. Don't just ask God. just ask God to help you to quit yelling at your wife. Put the marriage retreat in its place. Come on. I'm still preaching good. Don't you? Come on. Come on. Come on. It's not enough to just get out of Egypt. You got to put something in Egypt's place. It's not enough. Come on. Fill that hole. Fill that void. Fill that pocket. Don't just leave it empty. Don't just. Oh, come on, come on. God's talking to somebody right now. Come on, come on. I'm talking, I'm telling you, God's talking to somebody right now. Let's magnify Jesus here just for a few seconds. Come on, fill it up. Fill it up. Fill. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm telling you, somebody wants victory. This is the answer. You got to replace. You got to replace. You got to replace. You got to put something. Oh, come on. Fill up that void. Fill up that gap. Fill up that hole. Fill up that void. Put Jesus in it. Put Jesus in it. The center will hold. If Jesus is in the center, the center will hold. If Je- You won't unravel at every test and trial. If Jesus is at the center. Oh, hallelujah. Every hand lifted up just for about five seconds. You know what? If it's appropriate, lay your hands on the person next to you. 
I just feel like there's a spirit of addiction we're going to get rid of here right now. I bind the spirit of addiction. I bind it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, pray for your neighbor. I set you free. Come on. Come on. Come on, you're coming out of this. You're passing the test this time. You're passing. I hear chains breaking. I hear chains breaking. I'm not just giving you information. I'm giving you a course of action. This is, I'm telling you when God delivered me off drugs, I just started filling up those holes. I started hanging out at the church all the time. I started reading the Bible all the time because I realized those images just don't go away on their own. I got to put something in their place. I realized drug addiction, suicide, depression just don't go away. You got to put something in its place. I feel an explosive power of God. Yes, 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 yes. coming out of here walking. We ain't just talking Pentecost. We're going to experience Pentecost. Hallelujah. We ain't coming out of here a bunch of talkers. We're coming... You have to endure the test. You got to find out what you really got. It's not pleasant. It never will be pretty. You know, David, David could topple men that were freaks of nature, but he couldn't topple his own freaky nature. He's still preaching good and I'm still speaking to English. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right about now. Hallelujah. You got to let it come and you got to find out who you really are when nobody's looking, when there's no Facebook post or Instagram pic. I'm telling you, you got to let the test come and you got to realize this is a test. This is only a test. And it. And I'm fixing to find out what I really got on the inside. I'm fixing to find out just how much of the Bible I really know. I'm fixing to find out who I really am. I'm fixing to find out who my friends really are. I'm fixing to find out in just a few weeks. 
fixing to find out who I should really marry. I'm fixing to find out. You know, you tell people, you have all this, you tell people God's going to test you and they scoff. But you know, it's funny to me, there's all kinds of stuff that we would have nothing to do with if they weren't tested. Like water. Who here would drink untested water? Food, cars, bridges, planes, health, education, you name it. There's tests and all that stuff. You know what an untested car is? A lemon. You go to another country where the water is not tested. And you're going to get some parasites. We're okay with the water being tested, the bridge being tested, the building being tested, the food being tested. But if God tests us, if God does a quality control, you know what what people say, well, why why has God got to test me? Does he not know my heart? He knows your heart. It's you that don't know your heart. Because sometimes there's things in our heart that we think are bad that are actually good. And then there's things in our heart that we think are good that are actually bad. And the only way to to test the substance and the quality is to run you through a test. Is to put you through. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. You out there drinking spring water from 500 feet above the Alps, but you don't want God to test you. You know why we test things? Because lives are on the line. I'm telling you right now, this testing stuff is serious. Your kids are on the line. Your spouse is on the line. Your brothers and sisters are on the line. God's doing quality tests so that so that you make it, your family makes it, your friends can... Come on, come on, come on. Endure that. Endure that. Every hand lifted up. Every hand. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, come on. 
There, there is nothing worse. There is nothing more damaging, more harmful than a person who's in a test and don't know they're being tested. I'm telling you, God wants you to walk out of here woke, knowing that you're being tested. And it's time for you to straighten up, sharpen your pencil, and get your thinking hat on. You got to make it. You got to come out of this. There's people depending on you. You're not in this by yourself. There's people watching you. I'm preaching to some parents right now. You got to pass this test. Your kids are on the line. Your kids' kids are on the line. I'm preaching to some kids. You need to pass this test. Your little brother's watching. Your little sister's watching. You got to make it through. You got it. Oh, let's praise him. You want to know something, Brother Smith? I'm going to tell you something, Brother Smith. There's somebody in this building I could call you out right now. There's somebody in this building that knows I'm talking right to them. They know. Everything I'm saying is resonating with them. But you know what? They're up here, they're up here watching me yell and scream and get really loud. And they're thinking, man, that's a little too much there, bro. And you're getting caught up. I told you at the beginning, truth ain't always pretty. But if you need to know why I'm yelling, if you need to know why, I'm, why I seem overtly assertive and aggressive, it's because the things resisting you are overtly aggressive. It's because the things holding you back are overtly aggressive. And I can't play patty cake with your chains. I can't play patty cake with your bondage. It's been, come on, we're going on 20 years and you're still having this issue. You got to let's. Oh, Jesus. Come on, come on, come on, come on. He's talking to you. You know, I'm going to make two points and then, and then we're going to see what God will do. In the book of Judges, Israel's having all kinds of trouble. They are a mess. Probably the worst they've ever been in all their history. And all throughout the book, chapters, beginning at chapter 19, I believe it's 16, all the way clear to 21. In fact, the last verse of 21 says, and there was no king in Israel. And you know who wrote that? Samuel. Samuel wrote the book of Judges. Is what most people believe. There's probably other, other sources. But we'll say Samuel wrote it. Which is really odd. Because Samuel himself wasn't big on kings. But he did say a king is better than no king. All right. All right. But when you get into the book of Samuel. 
something strange happens. You have to remember up until this point, Samuel is leading the whole nation. And God talks to him and says, Samuel, this is now going to be a two-man show. It's going to be you and that guy Saul who never prays. You two will now lead the nation. That's exactly what happened. Saul did not replace Samuel. They had to now share an office. Spirit and flesh. And from Saul to David to you name it, you keep going down all of Israel's history. The kings just were no good. And when the kings are no good, the governance is no good. When the governance is no good, the money's no good. The social behaviors are no good. It, I mean, it trickles all the way down to the guy on the street. Yes, it does. Love or hate the president. He's affecting you right now. But at the very beginning of Samuel, Samuel's mama gives us a revelation. She gets into the temple. She now has her child. And she begins to dance. And she begins to sing. And what she begins to sing is beautiful. She begins to say, God raises people up. And God brings people down. God makes alive. And God kills. God sets up kings and he throws them down. And you know what she is saying in short? God is in control of it all. Not the kings, not my barren womb, not disease, not. The beginning of the book tells us everything. That little song that that mama sang lets us know what we need to know here today. That God is in control of it all. And this is a test. It is only a test. And everything happening right now. God. God is in control of it all. God makes alive and God makes... Ah, Jesus. This is not Saul's kingdom. This is God's kingdom. This is not Eli's temple. This is God's temple. This is... Come on. Why don't you clap your hands, realize God's in control, not cancer, not diabetes, not arthritis, not my manager on the job, not God is in control of it all, not divorce, not, not backslid kids, not the pain in my life, God is in control. We'll finish right here. You know, in Judges, all the judges were a mess too. That's right. Gideon, mighty deliverance for all of Israel. And then when it's all said and done, Brother Howard, he goes and makes a cow. Sees the mighty hand of God, turns around and makes a cow. All of Israel falls in sin because of it. 
During the time of Judges, all of Israel was so messed up that even the judges themselves were kind of shady characters. But they were like better than the other folks. Like Jephthah. Jephthah was the son of a prostitute. prostitute. I know there's kids, you know, whatever. But I'm just telling you. But that was like God's, God, that's, that was like the best God had. I'm going somewhere with all this. And Jephthah don't get it. Jephthah wants to talk to God like a pagan idol. He says, give me the victory and I'll give you my daughter. And God's like, man, you don't get it, bro. I don't want, if Samuel wrote Judges and we understand why Samuel years later would say, God does not want sacrifice. He wants obedience. Samson. Samson was a hot mess. He could never get it right. Always wanted a worldly girl. And at the end of his life, he didn't even want, he didn't even want to redeem himself. He was just mad because somebody poked his eyes out. The judges were a mess. But can I preach to you that God just used what he had? (laughs) And God told me to preach to somebody right about now. You got to use what you got. Because... Let me tell you something about Jesus. He can make straight lines or crooked sticks, but you got to give God what you got. I don't care if you came from a broken home. Give God what you got. I don't, I don't care if you got a busted job. Tithe on that busted job. Use what you got. I, don't just sit there and take a beating. Amen. Get up and use what you got. That's what God did. That's what you should do. That's how God worked it. That's how you should work it. That's what. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Let's all stand. You know, when you're young, when you're young, Brother Cox, you wish everybody else's parents were your parents. At least I did. I wish my dad was Larry Booker. You spend your whole life wishing you had another life. One day, one day wasted wishing you had another life is one day too many. God is saying... Give me that crooked stick. Give me that Jephthah upbringing. Give God. Give God that bad health. Give God that adolescent diabetes. Give God the pain. 
of that funeral. Give God those last two marriages. Listen, I'm telling you, 